Welcome to the Mission City Podcast. As Christians, we are called to die to self every day and to put first the kingdom of God. But what does it look like to have this kind of commitment? Today, our campus pastors, Dave Cash and Chuck Foster, share examples of this commitment and how we can show that we prioritize our faith. This is such a great discussion, and I hope that it encourages and challenges you. Let's go ahead and get into it. Here are Dave and Chuck. Well, it's time for the podcast this week. Chuck, how you doing? I am good. You know who I'm super appreciative of today? Who? Benny Mate. Benny. Benny how the you man. doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing well. <laughs> Yo, doing Benny, well. Benny is uh, he's a rock star in our world. We appreciate him a lot. He oh. makes us look good. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it looked good. He tries. But, yeah. <laughs> he tries real hard. As much as I can. Yes. Yeah, that's, a, that's a tough task. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. a tough task. I mean, Dave and I are not the most handsome of fellas. I mean, I'm glad I got well, my wife when I was young. I, I feel like I <laughs> speak for yourself. I feel like, you know, the older the violin, the sweeter the music, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. We need to cut that. That, that, comes from, uh, that comes from a Lonesome Dove, Gus McCray. Yeah, that is right. The older the violin, the sweeter the music. Yeah, well, better. I've never heard that before, but then, you know. You got to watch Lonesome Dove. You got to be. Uh, I guess. I'm, I'm a wannabe cowboy. Ages, wine ages better with time. I really want to be a cowboy, but I don't want to have to ride a horse. Yeah, well, you ride a Harley. I ride a Harley. Yeah, that's which a horse. We call a horse. You know, it's modern day horse, I guess you would say. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I like westerns. They're, it's one of my favorite genres of movies. Oh, yeah. What's your favorite western besides Lonesome, Lonesome Dove? Dove? I mean, if, uh, if, if you, I mean, that's everybody's favorite. Okay. We got to. It's like saying, what's your favorite book? The Bible. Well, we know it is, right? Well, besides, <laughs> All right. right? Besides, besides Lonesome Dove, I'm going to go with uh, Hang 'em High with Clint Eastwood. Clint? You went with Clint? Isn't I went like, with Clint. But isn't that like a spaghetti western? Didn't it is. Feel like I love Italy? Yeah, but it's I a love little bit disingenuous about that. A fistful of dollars, a few dollars more. I do like those. Uh, uh, what's the one where he's the, where he's the preacher and then he kills everybody? And Hail Rider. Hail Rider's a good one. That's I, not a spaghetti western. That's, no, it's not. That was it filmed was, in was the later. Great American West, California, That's during the Gold one. Rush. Right? I'm a, I'm a little bit of a... I, I do like those. Don't get me wrong. I loved John Wayne and True Grit. I love John Wayne. True Grit. True Grit. True Grit is a good one. Um, but I'm the more, Sons of Katie Elder was my favorite John Wayne. Because yeah. it had Dean Martin, and I liked Dean Martin back in the day. He was, Did he it was have cool. Sammy Davis Jr.? No. Well, he was in The Rifleman a couple of times. That's my favorite... Like uh, the Rifleman's my favorite Chuck Western Connor. series. I still watch it. You know, Chuck Connors is the only guy to play in a uh, World Series and an NBA championship. You got me on that one. I didn't. Mm. I had, you could say that, and I would just have to believe you because I have no clue. He played like for uh, the Dodgers, and he played for like uh, the Celtics, I think it was. Yep. He was a stud athlete. I'm more of a modern day. I like some of the modern day Western movies. Do you? I like Open Range. Open Range is a good one. Robert Duvall. Anything with Robert Duvall. Yes, that's pretty good. Is really good. Yeah, I liked. Uh, I like that. And uh, Three Ten to Yuma. It's kind of weird, but it was. It's a remake. Yes, it is. Original, it is a remake. But the Three Ten to Yuma's. Uh, I like Ben Russell Foster. Crow. Ben Foster's great. Now. Foster's good. No relation. Maybe. Maybe yes. I don't know. He spells it. Uh, the same as you, though. Yeah. <laughs> you thought I was going to say something somewhere, wrong, didn't you? <laughs> somewhere down the line, we're probably related. I don't Might know. Be. But no. Love like that. me and Johnny Cash, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. Well. We came off a of, uh, man summit with a great did. week. We did. By I, the time this airs, it'll be a couple weeks. It'll be old news. But not to me, because I think God's doing something incredible through man summit in the hearts of men uh, in our in our church. Um 
that I think is going to last a long time. And I'm so appreciative of those guys that committed to that weekend. Mm -hmm. They were like, you know, they could have been doing anything else, but you know, we had between 250 and 300 men here that were committed by saying, you know what, we want to be better husbands. We want to be better fathers. We just want to be better men of the Lord. And that through this yes series, that's one of the things pastor Matt will be talking about uh, this Sunday coming up, which will be the Sunday after, you know, when this airs, it will have been the Sunday before. Right. Uh, he's going to be talking about commitment and what that looks like. Yeah, I'm excited about that. You know, uh, again, man summit, man. I, I still haven't come off the the camp high. Yeah, that that was uh, man summit, man. It you know, God really spoke to me a lot um, about my faith and my trust in Him. And of course, that's what we've been. That's what we spoke on, uh, Pastor Matt and and uh, Matt Carter both spoke on what it means to trust God. And that was really good, and it just it it stemmed from Man Summit right into Sunday, right. and I I felt so so encouraged and energized about those messages. Yeah, well, to trust God, you have to be committed to God. You do. I mean, anything that you completely trust, you are committed to. Yeah. And so you really, for us to to be committed. Um, really says something about the way that we trust the Lord. And that's why I love this series because it sets up the, the you know, the perfect way right. to walk in our faith. Cause you know, at mission city, we talk about next steps, you know, come to church, uh, get into a life group, get into uh, a place to serve the Lord, commit to becoming a covenant member by going to a uh, starting point and so forth. Every step you take is a just different a level of commitment. Of commitment. Yeah. And you never stop taking those steps no, toward you commitment. You never really you do because when you stop taking steps, then you're either standing still and, and then you start to move back. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I love talking about what commitment looks like. And one of the things I wanted to ask you when it comes to commitment, um, you were a baseball coach for a long time, and uh, I really appreciate that about you Um walking away from that in order to serve God because that showed a commitment to the Lord. But when you were coaching, because my son's now starting out in high school baseball and so Mm. forth, as a coach, what did commitment look like to you as the coach? What did you want to see in your players that said to you, this guy's committed to my team, therefore uh, I know he's working hard and doing those things? Because it's not just about getting a uniform because I have a Texas Rangers jersey that I wear. Uh, but and I don't play for the you're Texas Rangers. Not on the team, and I'm not. I'm not. Um, I root hard for them. I probably watch out of 162 games. I probably watch 75 of them in a season. Maybe, maybe a little bit more. I don't know. But yeah, I can't be. I don't fly mm-hmm. to Arlington and and watch the games. But that's that's a shame. You know, what I think it's funny is that all those. Uh, you know, I'm an Astros fan. Trash cans and all, and I love them. Um, I'm committed to the Astros. Even th- when they were down and out. Because there's a lot of people hey, that jump on the bandwagon. I was an Astros fan when they won. They, they lost 120 games. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, I'm a Rangers fan in a season when they're not doing well. i am still got my jersey on. So I'm committed at least right. that way. But you know what? I don't have season tickets anymore. I thought anymore. it was funny. I don't have. All those Astro fans that ordered World Series rings. Like they were on the team. Like yeah. I don't know how you'd like. I'm walking around with. You're a not putting the ring. time in. That's yeah. what I mean, though. You know, you can be a. Fa- it's the same thing with. You know, we'll we'll, we'll spin off into that. But yeah. for you as a coach, what did commitment look like? Well, it's just it's about a guy who 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 <clears throat> basically rejects a lot of the the things that are out there in order to pursue 
what he wants. Um, I've had players over the time, over years who, that when practice was over, they weren't done. They're off to the cages. They want more ground balls. While some of the guys on the team, they were packing up their bags and they were they're headed off and they're they're going to meet their girlfriends or they're going to Waterburger or wherever after practice. And there were guys that would they're back in the cages. Mm-hmm. They want more swings. They want more ground balls. They they want more uh, practice because they were never done trying to get better. Right. And so you always knew that that was a level of commitment. And what it, what it always did, I mean, it always paid off because you would see the improvement that they would make. And and it also, one of the things that I always noticed when a guy was committed, if he worked that hard and we lost, it hurt. Right. The, the guys that didn't work that hard, didn't commit, man, they we got over it quick. Yeah, we, we'd be on the bus. And before we even got out of the parking lot, they're joking around in the back. I don't know about you guys, but when I, when I rode the bus after we lost, man, the coach would stand up. And I don't want any noise on this bus, you know. And you yeah. and, and you guys are just they're staring, they're thinking about their their loss, right? You know, the committed guys. You don't have to say that to them. Yeah, they're not happy. Well, when you mentioned the Astros, I thought of a story I heard about Lance Bregman. Um, Bregman, Who? right? Bergman, what's Alex, his name? Well, there's Alex, Lance, Bre- Alex Bregman. There's Alex Bregman. I was thinking Lance there's Bergman. Lance Bergman. I go, I'm old, so I my, my I mind's messed I'm not up. But, uh, yeah, Alex Bregman, whenever he was in high school, I read that uh, he got caught trying to get into the batting cages. <laughs> and they called the coach, and they are like, yeah, let him in. I'll just give him the code from now. Because he was like him and his buddies – um, we're so committed, and look at where he's at now. He's one of the best infielders in baseball. He, he can play anywhere. You yeah, know? we had lights in our cages at Champion High School, and I can't tell how many times I got called, hey, Coach, y'all, somebody, y'all left the lights on in the cages. And I drove over there, and, and the lights weren't left on. I had several players in there. Yeah. Turned the lights on, and they were still they were hitting. Yeah. They were hitting, and it was 9 o'clock at night, and we'd finish practice about 7 Right, and they were continuing to work, and it wasn't like they were in there goofing around. They were working. Well, that's what they said about him. That's why the coach was like, "Hey, they're not, they're not just running around, you know, goofing off or messing stuff up. They're they're committed to this team." It always so, translated too. Yeah, it always yeah, it the always hard work always the translated to the field. Well, it's the same thing. Translates in a walk. You know, when we're committed to reading our Bible and praying and being at church and serving, we're committed to to Mission City Church or wherever it is that you go to church that you're watching this and you're committed, that plays out in your life as far as when you're in the Word and you're and you're growing in your faith and then a rough patch comes, the committed guy doesn't put his Bible down and go, okay, I'm done and throw his arms up. The committed guy gets on his knees and he's like, "Okay, Lord, how are you using me in this season of brokenness?" Yeah, you know, and, he's reading more. Right. He's praying more. Spending time. Yes. Yeah, and 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 he doesn't just. Well, I'm not going to church anymore because of this. We see that a lot of times. You know, I've, I've seen people over the years talk about, "Well, I was going to church and then somebody hurt my feelings and now I don't go to church anymore." And you know, my my reply is like, "Really? Have you ever been to a restaurant and had a bad experience?" Yeah. Did you stop going to restaurants? No. You might not go to that particular restaurant, but you still eat out. And most of the time, if I have a bad experience at a restaurant, uh, I give it another shot usually, and most people do too. If not, they don't just, you know, if I had a bad experience at a pizza place, 
I don't stop going to pizza I'm, places. I'm a sucker for punishment. You know, so I'd go but back. I mean, but people do that. You know, they're like, well, I'll, I'll try another restaurant, but they get so angry at the church. And that has to do with your level of commitment. If I'm committed to the word, and it's not being committed to the pastor or the youth minister or whoever, I'm committed to the bride of Christ. Mm-hmm. I'm com- just like I'm committed in my marriage to my wife, Ashley. I need to be even more so committed to the bride of Christ, which is the church. And I, I, it bothers me a little bit when I see guys that are so willing to be committed to the batting cages like that or committed to their sports team or committed to their hobby. But the minute, you know, a little rough patch hits, they're out of the word, they're out of prayer, they're out of fellowship with, with God's people. And so it needs to translate to a Stephen like faith, a disciples type faith. You you know? know how much a person is committed by how much they stick to it when they're faced with opposition. Right. And that's Stephen. I mean, you look in Acts 6, he's doing signs and wonders. And uh, Acts, Acts chapter 6, he's doing signs and wonders, and, he, and he's, he's sharing what God's doing. And he's elevated and, he, and, and getting praised. Absolutely. And then the Pharisees are all ticked off about it. And so they, you know, they seize him. And, of course, he goes through the whole story of what God has done and is going to continue to do. And then he turns into him and says, you stiff-necked people. Yeah. You know, and they didn't like that. Right. They didn't like that very much. And so... So he's drug in before the, the council, and it's like he faces real opposition. And a less committed guy goes, "Yeah, you know what? I'll stop it. Right? I'll, I'll, you know, I'll yeah, back I'll, off. Okay, don't throw those. Yeah, rocks. I, it was yeah. the same thing you talk about with being an Astros fan in a hundred loss <laughs> season and a hundred win season. Those are drastically different seasons. The true committed fan, the true committed guy, is still like, "Hey, I'm still." That's still my team. I'm all in. And it's the same thing with our faith when it comes to, uh, you know, the rough patches or whatever. You know, when the boss says, hey, no, I want you on Sunday mornings from, you know, 8 a.m. And I've known some coaches that were told that. Well, and I even think about your – what you're saying about, like, uh, fans getting the jersey, getting whatever, going to the games. And it's like, it's all good. You can wear the jersey. You can go to all the games. But until you're, like, a player on the field, if you're willing to get in the game when you're going against the team that it's like, oh, man, these guys are one of the best guys in the league. And I don't know if we're going to be able to, but we got to get in this. We got to win. We got to do this. We got, you know, we're going to work together. That's commitment is when they're willing to be on the field and if they're a player, not just a fan in the stands. Right. And and as, 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 um, People of God, we got to get in the game. Yeah. You know, we can, uh, we you know, we come to church weekly. We can be faithful at church and never get in the game. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can show up, take up a seat, raise your hand during the songs, amen the pastor. Right. And it lasts the car ride home, and you don't serve, and you're not sharing your faith, and you know you. Your marriage is a wreck because you're not praying with your spouse, and you guys aren't aren't serving together and loving the Lord together, and those kinds of things. And, and your so, bank account never reflects your 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 commitment right. to the mission that God has placed. Yeah, you if on. you truly want to see your commitment, pull up your bank statement for the month. Mm. Pull up your bank statement for the month and look at where the dollars are going, because that's going to share with whoever looks at that, which we know the Lord looks at. Your bank statement will share what your commitment is. I mean, there's hands down, if you are truly committed 
to something, you are spending not just your time, but also to, I've told people that when you look at your bank, look at your time, map out what you did this week. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if your work is getting 100 hours a week and your family is getting zero hours a week, don't be surprised when that son or daughter is saying, I don't, I don't believe, or I turn their back on the faith, if they don't see it in mom and dad. Because if you're telling them that, that making money and athletics and those things are more important than your faith, don't be surprised when you see them not serving God or wanting to go to church or when they get to college completely fall away. What you're talking about is priorities. Yeah, absolutely. When we, pri- when we prioritize something at the highest level, our commitment level raises. And then when the opposition comes, we're still faithful to that commitment. But if it's low down on the priority scale and opposition comes, we'll let it, we'll let it slide because we're going to, whatever we elevate, we protect whatever we elevate. We, we will go all in for will in many cases, people will die for, you know, and, you know, you have to ask, I ask myself all this question, what is worth dying for? Right. And I, and I, I thought, you know, golly, is my faith worth dying for? Yes. As my, does my level of commitment show that? Right. Is my family worth <clears throat> dying for? Well, absolutely. Well, is my commitment level show that? Is my job worth dying for? Maybe less so. So I need to elevate and prioritize the things I would be willing to go to the mat right. for with against anybody for. I'd step in front of a bullet for. I would give up everything for. And the things that aren't as a priority, I understand that. Yeah. But that's, a le- that's the commitment level, the priority level that we have to make as believers. Uh, God's bride, the church, it should be one of those priorities. Yeah. Well, and one of the, one of the verses that we talk about um, coming up is in Second Corinthians uh, chapter nine when he's talking about sowing the seeds, um, the legacy that you leave behind too. When I think about um, my faith isn't just for me today and how I live my life. My son sees that, my daughter sees that, and and for you, your grandkids are seeing that. You are sowing that. You have to seed point that out that, that I'm a granddad, know, huh? Yeah, happily a granddad. Um, I love my I love yeah, my grandson. Papa. So. Uh, it's all right. I'll be I'm pop pop all day long. Absolutely, I'm not there yet. Um, but what I'm but saying you're old is, enough to be. I, I am old enough to be by far. <laughs> uh, I just got started a little later. But anyway, um, but yeah, I want to sow those seeds in my son so that when he does get in the car with everything loaded to head off to school or wherever whatever it is that God has for him, whenever he's done, is his faith that he's seen in his dad and the commitment and the priority that I have, not just because I'm a pastor, because I've been a pastor for a long time. I could be a completely different guy in the pulpit and a completely different guy at church than I am at home. My kids see that. And that's a horror that I've always had, a fear that I've always had that they would see something different in dad than what they, you know, at church than they see at home. Wow. Dad's dad's really passionate about his faith at, at church, but at home, Gosh, he's not that way. I'm not sowing a very good seed. That seed no. is going to last 
not even the car ride till he gets to his college. As soon as, as soon as he's tempted by something else, right now he's sort of under the protection of mom and dad watching and, and mm. seeing what's on his phone and all those things. But teaching him why those things are important. Because I know, I read a book a long time ago called Not a Fan by Kyle Eidelman. And in that book, Not a Fan, it talks about don't just bring your kids up in church, bring your kids up in Christ mm. so that you leave that lasting legacy. But I, it's not just that, but it's also the men in your discipleship group, the men and man church that sees us, you know, teach, we want to take and, and sow those seeds of faith so that, 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 that grows in them. And then they're leaving a legacy long after we're gone, which is what this whole yes period campaign is about is leaving this lasting impression, uh, on the next generation of followers of Jesus Christ. We may not get to see how our faith plays out until we get to heaven, but then we will worship around the throne room with people that we're going to leave this legacy with. Yeah, you plant one seed, and that one seed can produce multiple seeds from whatever flower plant it does. And then those multiple seeds are planted, and it just it's a multiplication effect yeah. just planted by that one, that one seed. And if you do that multiple times, just think of the harvest yeah. that we don't get to, we don't get to, to do it. Christ gets to, har- right. I mean, he's the harvester, right? right. We, we are the seed plant. We get to plant seeds and, and live on mission and live committed lives, in which we prioritize uh, uh, the Lord. We prioritize church. We prioritize our families. And man, just watch the harvest come up. Yeah, well, and we mentioned Stephen a while ago. Yeah. When Stephen is, is murdered for his faith, after he dies... It says that Saul looked on approvingly mm-hmm. at the end of Acts chapter 7 going into Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 9, there's this conversion of Saul. Do you not think that Stephen's willingness to lay his life down on that road that day left an impression in Saul who became Paul? 100%, what 100% an agree. incredible seed that was planted in that. Now, Stephen wasn't alive to see Saul's conversion, but Stephen welcomed Saul, who became Paul, into the gates. You just got to know when he walked in the gates and Stephen said, you know, my brother in Christ, you know, what an incredible legacy of faith that that spoke to. You know, it had to speak to to Saul as he became Paul and, and had that conversion. And then in Acts 9, there's a guy we meet named Ananias, and Ananias is sent by the Lord to Saul. Yeah. He's like, I doesn't really want to go. He's <laughs> whoa, like, whoa, hold isn't on. That, isn't that the guy, guy that kills yeah, people? that's the guy that's, you know. Yet he went and, and told him, hey, the Lord has sent me. Um, Ananias is never mentioned again, but Paul is mentioned lots and lots of times. Think of that. See, you know, sometimes God calls us to this prominent, what we would define as prominent role, like a Paul as a church planter. Um, but sometimes we're called to plant the seed in those guys, and we had something to do with that. And so never underestimate living on priority for Jesus Christ and what seeds you are sowing in the life of those people that are watching. And yeah, it's been a great morning. Great topic, commitment, yeah. prioritizing what, what God wants out of us. And, uh, man, it's been a great morning. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for tuning in. 
Benny, thank you for uh, all that you do in service to our church. Uh, behind the scenes guy Um, except for today he's going to get to be out here but anyway uh, grateful to have you here God bless appreciate y'all watching see you back next week thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Mission City Podcast if you enjoyed this podcast share it with a friend and leave a review on whatever platform that you're listening on because it really does help us out thank you again we'll see you next time